the feeling that I had of loneliness was that not permission to connect really from the heart level with others. So you're lonely because you're not allowing yourself to connect. Welcome to the podcast, Being All of Us. It's great to have you here. My name is Brian David George, and my mission is to inspire you to become an agent of change in your own life through the stories of people like you from around the world who are on a journey of self-discovery and inclusion. I believe that these conversations will lift you up and help you to uncover your potential and to become your higher self. So sit back, go for a walk, a run, a drive, whatever works for you, and enjoy some time to get to know more about yourself. Welcome to the Being All of Us podcast. Today I am joined by another special guest, Almendra Staffahili. Almendra, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Brian, for, for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and I'm excited to have you here to get this on the record. Almendra, so I, I sometimes give context. Almendra and I are actually working together on a project right now. So that's how we know each other. And she is actually the third person on this project, and Esperanza, who has also been on the podcast, is the other person in this little project that we're working on. We may or may not talk about that later on. That's just a bit of context. So Almendra, this is about you and about you telling your story. So the mic is yours. Tell us about your journey. So I'm, I, I grew up in the south of Spain mostly, and then in different parts of the United States. We moved to New York, because that's where my family's from. We, we moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I lived in, in California in different places, in LA, in a small town called Boonsville, north of San Francisco, and then also in Sacramento, in the capital of the state. I lived in Miami, and we moved for different reasons, but my mom is probably one of the bravest people I know. She's not a chicken. and. Uh, She's used that term for herself. I was born in, in Granada, in the south of Spain, because my mom's neighbor, who they've been neighbors in different parts of the world together, actually, Tamahoa, she uh, sort of accused my mom of being a chicken if she went back to the United States to have me. You know, you Americans, you always go back. You're going to go back to New York you're gonna, and have your daughter there. And mom said, what, me, a chicken? No. So I was born in Spain. And, you know, it's interesting that for me, this idea of bravery, bravery comes from mindfulness. And my mom, when I was born, I don't want to say that she discovered God, <laughs> but she had a spiritual awakening. It was, it was transformative for her. And she had always been very curious. and. She'd gone to temple and to mosque and to church and to all of these things in New York based on the friends that she had. But yeah, having me was a sign in Spain in the 70s was a sign of bravery. And I think bravery comes from mindfulness. I mean, if we think about neuroscience and our ability to, to, to fight, to fight, to freeze, to flee, all of that, those are you know, really sort of primitive reactions to things. Um, and sometimes we think people are brave because they, but that's, that's your primitive brain kicking in bravery. Real bravery is knowing what you're doing and doing it. And so 
I think that that's where I want to start. So I am the child of bravery. <laughs> <laughs> the story begins with the child of bravery. I love it. <laughs> what does that mean for you to be a child of bravery? Where does that fit into your journey, your personal journey? My mom is an artist and typically third culture kids are the descendants of one, missionaries. Two, people who are executives who get relocated, people who have been displaced because of, of war and because of different economic, social, political situations in their countries. And then there's a, there's a category of artists. <laughs> and so um, when I read that in third culture kids growing up between worlds, it was like, yes, that's, that's, that's what's happening. So I, I went to 19 different schools by the time I graduated from college. Um, in all these different places. And, and the story of bravery, I think has to do, it has to do with what I'm working on right now. It's and, and what I've been sort of dedicating my life to, I think I'm, I'm an experiential learning educator. I work with people primarily at the university age, but also with adults that are working with the university age students at trying out new things about going beyond that comfort zone. And and really doing it in a purposeful, in a meaningful way and thinking about what you're doing. So that connection between I'm mindful and I'm on purpose and I'm trying something new. That's, that's what it's all about. And it's led me to, well, it's, it's led me to working with you and like this, but I'm fun. It's, and it's led me to, to a lot of different and exciting things in my life. But I guess that's the, that's the thread that that sort of you know is woven throughout the different sort of tapestry of the different places that I've been, the life that I have, and and who I'm with in my in my life. Before going into some of the things you just mentioned, I want to just circle back uh, for those people who are listening who don't know what a third culture kid is. Could you speak briefly about that? Sure. So this was a, a term that was kind of coined in the fifties and. Oh, military. That's the one I forgot. Military children, of course. Um, yes. So it's, it's a term that's used to describe children that during their formative years grow up in countries other than that of their passport country. And so it means that as you're growing up, you are most likely living within a number of cultures and and the thing about a third culture kid is that your identity or your, your sense of culture is based on experience. And it's based on an experience of, of in between, in between cultures, meaning that you can absorb things from your parents' culture, from the host culture. In the sort of traditional definition, it meant high mobility as well. It meant changing a lot as you were growing up. But more, more current definitions have sort of referred to cross-culture kids. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to travel around the world a lot. Your family can be from a country and you're in a different one. And every morning, you know, you wake up and you cross the threshold into the other country as you leave your, your home culture. But yeah, but one of the things about the, the third culture sort of kid definition has to do, you know, with this, this, this change, this frequent change. And with this idea that what unites us is, uh, is an experience of living in between. And it kind of, 
it, it takes two forms. You can either feel like you belong everywhere or you can feel like you belong nowhere. And, and that's part of it as well. And so both, both of those definitions play a part of, of being a third culture kid. And now I'm an adult third culture kid, obviously. But yeah, but I discovered that term later on in life. I was in my, my late 30s. One of the things that, that I think has to do with this story that you're talking about, you know, that you're saying experience between cultures, you also mentioned going beyond the comfort zone uh, and that people who grow up in environments like this, they practice more, this moving between and learning between and beyond. And I think belonging that you just said that too. Like when you, when you move between these different environments, it, you said it, you either belong everywhere or you belong nowhere, something like that. Um, um, yeah. So Janet, Janet Bennett, who's an interculturalist, she did work on this and she talked about encapsulated marginals and contextual marginals and blended culture people, people who have multiple cultures sometimes feel that they really don't have a space. You're always on the margin because you're neither this nor that. And for me, realizing that that's a piece of it then led to, well, you know, what's the other part? Uh, which is feeling like you belong everywhere. But that that really involves identity work. That involves doing personal work, which is what I've been doing for a number of years and I'm helping other people to, to do. Because to integrate yourself into a, a single being, so to speak, to allow yourself to fit in everywhere means that you have to be accepting of all of the different pieces of yourself. And that... And when you do that, then you do feel like you belong everywhere. Let's talk about belonging. Okay. I, we, we've spoken briefly, uh, and more than briefly, we've spoken about your journey and how belonging or not belonging uh, maybe played a part in that. Could you speak a bit to how it's been, especially how it was, I guess, when you were younger, feeling like you did or didn't belong? So I. I made myself belong to places through the educational system where I was because I was, I was young. I mean, I, I graduated university at, I guess I was 21. And the one kind of constant thing that you, or for me anyway, because, you know, we're talking about coping mechanisms. We're talking about resilience. We're talking about what does each person individually do to make the best out of their, their circumstances or their situations. And I'm, and I'm really grateful for the upbringing that I've had, but it is, but it is difficult because you are, you're saying goodbye all the time to people. And one of the things that, that I found that kind of grounded me that helped me to belong was education. Cause I, you know, I kind of got it. You know, there's a pattern. <laughs> School starts in September it ends in June, you know, and that kind of happens in a lot of different places and it's, and it's similar. And if I could just kind of get the ropes, the basic ropes, and I knew the pattern that was there and that gave me a great sense of belonging. The other, the other piece clearly was, you know, my nuclear family that, that was really helpful. But as I, as I grew up, there was a, you know, am I this, am I that, <laughs> am I Spanish? Am I American? Am I what am I? And it really, it all came 
to, to fruition, I guess, when I had kids. And that's, that's the, you know, that's the like, oh, well, maybe I should belong to the country that I've been living in for the last 20 years and where I was born. <laughs> and so, yeah, when my, when my son was born and then my daughter, that was, that was kind of the moment of, okay, I think, I think it's safe. I think it's safe to belong here now because I've got kids. There's something about not having, it was when my son was born, it, the, I had the, for the first time in my life, I felt I was never going to be alone again. Mm. And yeah, tell, yeah no, unbelievable. Tell, An unbelievable. Tell us more feeling. about that, please. What, what was that like? Well, it was just miraculous, really. I, I'm a very kind of independent person. I make connections and, and part, part of it is the third culture thing. You know, if you're a third culture kid and you're always constantly moving, you go deep, really deep with a couple of people very quickly because you, you need that to belong. You need to feel like you've got people that have got your back that you can tell things to that hopefully won't be judging you too much. Or if they are judging you, it's, it's, it's okay because you, you actually do trust them. But that that sense of having to leave all the time or knowing that you're going to be leaving makes you kind of have to rely on yourself. Or at least in my case, I had to rely on myself. And this is a pattern that goes back, 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 back. So that independence has an element of loneliness. I mean, I, I really don't like being alone. There's, a, there's this expression in, in, in Spanish, which I love, you know, estar de Rodríguez. So it's the summer and your family's left the city and you're still there working. Um, and I've had that happen to me a couple of times. And I, I would just book my afternoons, meeting people, doing stuff, this idea of being alone. No, 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 no. But then when, when Leo was born, it was like, you know what? I'm never going to be lonely again. And I don't know how to describe it beyond the fact that somehow having somebody come out of you. <laughs> it's just, it's mind blowing. It's like, what? I, you know, I didn't really know what, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I had this amazing being and, uh, and he's my child and it's, you know, and he's my responsibility to, to raise in the best way that I can raise him. And, and then the same thing with my daughter, because it's not about what I want. It's, it's about who they are. So it makes you not lonely. It takes, I guess being lonely is is a very selfish feeling. And somehow having my, ch my children, you can't really, it, it's hard to be selfish or you, it, you become less selfish as a parent, I think, because you have somebody you had to do stuff for because they can't okay. do it for okay. themselves. I, I'm going to unpack some of this because it's all really <laughs> interesting. So you said that being lonely is actually something selfish. What does that mean for you? So selfishness for me is thinking of self, focusing on self. And the feeling that I had of loneliness was that not permission to connect really from the heart level with others. So you're lonely because you're not allowing yourself to connect. Because, I mean, quite honestly, there's very few places in this world where you can actually really be lonely. There are people, you know, everywhere. And if you're not opening your heart and connecting, then that's selfish. That's selfishness. That, that, that's what I mean, I think, by that. Because the, 
Hmm, this might sound a little cheesy and it's okay. Like the heart is so beautiful that when we share it with others, it's like a gift to open our hearts and, and be with others from that place. And when we keep that away from other people, then I understand what you mean. Like we're being selfish by not sharing our heart, by not sharing the amazing love that we are, you know, with others. And it's, and it's a protection. You know, I think, I think for me, it had been a protection and it, and so having a child, there was no more protection. I became, you know, I became the protector and that, that, that really set me up for a lot of the stuff that I'm working on now and that I've been doing. And it's been such a brilliant journey, really such a brilliant journey. You know, something that's very tangible about giving birth, I think, is it's like you are literally connected to another human being and that human being comes through you so you can literally feel that like you experience and you're an experiential learner, you can experience that separation is an illusion, that we are literally connected. You are literally connected to that human being. So that idea, I'll never be lonely again. It's because you understood connection in your body. You know, it just, yeah, you yeah. experienced it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't attribute that, you know, I think there's many types of, of motherhood and fatherhood and you don't necessarily physically, I, 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 for me, that's how I needed to do it. But I do think taking on the responsibility of some, but one else, a life um, and committing to to their upbringing it takes away that selfishness it takes away that loneliness it really i mean if you're if you're doing it mindfully right if you know if you're choosing to do this so yeah so choosing what <laughs> what things are you choosing to focus on nowadays uh you talked earlier about going beyond the comfort zone i, I think you're choosing this these are my words you're choosing to write your own story. What does that story sound like now that you're choosing to write it? It's a, it's a story in which I'm free to, to work with other people, to really collaborate and to trust them and to not let things go by. So like really focus, I guess I'm, I'm focusing a lot more on details, on specifics of each and every person that I'm working with. And it's interesting because it, I think once I chose to let myself work collaboratively with others to share the responsibility, and it is, it, it's, a, it's a process. It's not, you know, it's like, oh, I can now. I can do this by myself. I could probably do this better by myself. You know, no, 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 it's, that's not it anymore. That's really not it. The richness of the experience is, is increased. And so people are telling me things about themselves that, I mean, it's, it's like every day, there's like a discovery of something that some, you know, some identity that someone has and, and they're willing to share it with me. And so I'm able to understand that facet of them and I'm able to sort of check it out with myself. And so it's a, I guess the story is about 
the story is about sharing. It's about sharing what I'm doing, spreading the responsibility out because it's not, because it's actually not mine. That's I guess what I'm realizing. It's, it's actually not my story. It's our story. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's what identity work is really about. I think for me and, and I think for you too, is that it's not about me because I am not an independent being. We are interdependent. We are connected. We are this, whatever we are, <laughs> we're in this together. And the way to move forward is by trusting each other more and by opening our hearts and by saying, okay, I could do this by myself really quickly and it wouldn't matter because I'd get to the end and then I'd just like, it'd be over for me. So what's the, you know, if we do this together, then we can go so much further and sitting with the discomfort of growth, you know, with being uncomfortable, going beyond, you know, you said going beyond the comfort zone, like getting uncomfortable and having conversations that are really difficult. And that's something that we're witnessing every day now, you know? There's, there's a shift. I've, I've, I've felt within the last five or six years, a real shift. And, and for me, it's like, bring it on. <laughs> What's the issue? Bring it on. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's do something with it. So let's have an uncomfortable conversation, Almendra. Okay. Why don't we talk about the first thing that comes to my mind is like privilege. You know, we're both white. <laughs> we both live in white skin. We both come from the United, well, we both have a cultural heritage in the United States, Euro descendants, I would call us. And we both are part of a system which favors people like us and disfavors people who are not like us. What do you, I mean, how, how do you feel? with the privilege that you have, you know, and it, it's so easy to fall into like, you know, the white saviorism and, and, I, and it's good to talk about it and to get uncomfortable and to get it wrong because that's how we can move beyond it. So how do you feel about the privilege that you were born into? I think I'm, I'm aware, first of all, I am, I am aware of it. And it gives me, it gives me, it gives me a sense of freedom and ability to do things, you know, a white, female, heterosexual, cisgender, cisgender, <laughs> able-bodied, able-bodied, neurotypical. Exactly, exactly. And speaking you know, neurotypical, that, that's what I learned today. Someone I was, I was speaking with described how she wasn't and I had no idea. And she's looking to help other people because she has a, a specific learning disability, which is very uncommon. And so it's like, wow, you know, I had no idea. And so this, it, it, my privilege allows me to see to be able to see that, that it is, that, that it is kind of a unique thing, you know, and, and that in that, in it, I, I can't take anything for granted. I have to, I have to ask people specific things. I can't, I can't just sort of take for granted. Oh, you know, she seems. She heterosexual. Seems to be an, <laughs> well, she seems to be an excellent student and so capable. And then it turns out, you know, she has a learning disability, which is quite an, an intense one. It's like, wow, I had no idea, you know? And I think part of the problem with privilege is that it, 
unless you're being aware of the fact that you have the privilege and that it's a different, it, it's a difference, you're not letting yourself actually experience and see the difference in others because we are all, we are all different. And, you know, privilege, not, not, you know, not privilege, but you have, I have to work on, on seeing that. And so I've got to ask the questions because otherwise you just take it. Privilege allows you to take things for granted, but you can't do. You really can't. Taking things for granted. I, I want us to talk a little bit more about that. It's kind of like, you know, I take for granted. Well, no, I want you to talk about it. <laughs> what does that mean when you say taking things for granted? I, I take for granted that I can do whatever it is I want pretty much whenever it is I want to. And I don't have to, I don't have to consider under most circumstances, my safety. I don't have to consider whether or not anybody has ever done this before because I have lots of models. So I take it for granted because there's, I can look here and I can look there and it's, you know, it's there, you know, it really is. So why, you know, so I don't, I don't have to question. I take it for granted because my mod, who, who I am, I have models for, for me outside of myself. And so what I have to become aware of is that not everybody has those models and, and that's, and, you know, and so that, that's what I take for granted. I take for granted that I have models and that I can, I can be who I am. So how can we use our privilege to help create those models for people who are not like us? What is some of the, you know, this is like the quote unquote, the work. What are yeah. some of the things that you, that you imagine? Or what are some of the things that you do and that you would like to continue doing? So I, I tend to work very much on an individual basis. I usually do more coaching one-on-one. -on -one. I think one of the key pieces in this is confidence. Feeling confident to share whatever it is that is different in you and that's important and that actually needs to be recognized. And in order for that to happen, there has to be a, a level of safety so that you can get that confidence. You need to have a community that's supporting you or a family or it's very, I, I'm always impressed by people who, who do things apparently it, it would look, appear apparently without support, but you, when you, when you succeed, when you're breaking norms, when you're expressing things that aren't the, the standard, you, you have confidence and, and you know that you can do it somehow. And so for me, it's working with people to help them to have that confidence and to connect them to other people and other groups that are, that are doing the similar work so that, so again, the loneliness, so that they're not alone, right? Because I do think that there's a, a piece in this, although I do work one-on-one -on -one more, you need to have a community of, of people or you need to be able to identify a group or at least one or two other people that you can share what your experience is. And if we go back to privilege, I have so many people that I can share my experience with that I don't, that I take it for granted. And so I don't necessarily use it, but I, but I should be, I should be using, you know, I should be aware of, of what I'm doing and, and use that as well. You, you can choose to use that, right? Mm -hmm. mm. 
which is really, I think, where, where the work is for a lot of us who are, just have privileges to, to choose to use it in a way that is constructive and to help us all move forward. And I think there's also a part, you know, for me, there's a part of um, recognizing that my privilege means that I represent something which I didn't choose. You know, a lot of times it's easy to say, yeah, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't have slaves, for example, in the context of the United States. Seeing myself as like this individual who is not related to a collective of actually my ancestors, surely if they did not have slaves, they lived in a society, in a context where slavery existed. They either consented to that system or at the least they lived with it and in it. And so, of course, you know, I, it reminds me of being a man, you know, okay, I'm a gay man. So I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't really have much to do with like, I wouldn't be aggressive towards a woman. Let's say I wouldn't be a threat to a woman. And if I'm walking down the street at night and it's dark and there's a woman walking in the, in my direction, I can go to the other sidewalk so that she feels safer because I represent a collective, which can be seen as threatening to that woman, even though I would never do anything to her because we live in these systems. Like I represent something that could be threatening and it's really easy for me to just cross the street. Like it's not a problem. So it's in the same way, it's easy. I'm using the word easy. Maybe it's not easy for everyone. It's simple to recognize, hey, I form part of a dominant culture which oppresses others. So I want to change that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's also a misconstrued sense of, of guilt that stops people from doing that. And misconstrued, maybe, maybe you should feel guilty. I don't know. But I'm not, you know, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I have nothing to do with this. If you're on the defensive, you're feeling guilty, which is, a, which is a great emotion to have because it means that there's something there, right? So if you're defensive about it, there's something there. You are a part of the dominant society. You are a part of a system that needs to repair what happened in the past, that needs to acknowledge what, I mean, you can't, you can't move on without saying, first of all, this happened or this existed. And, you know, within, within the work that I do, I'm a a qualified administrator of the intercultural development inventory. and, And we use Milton Bennett's developmental model of intercultural sensitivity. And there's this specific stage or orientation, which is minimization. And in minimization, you, you know, when something's uncomfortable, you, you try and, you try and make it smaller so that it doesn't bother you. It's like, oh, well, that wasn't me, but that's, that's taking away the responsibility. That's minimizing. It's like, well, no, it wasn't you, but it's a system that we all belong to. And and I can't minimize that if I'm going to, if I'm going to go beyond and help and recover and re, you know, empower people, give them the ability, the voice, I first have to recognize that it happened. 
And I do think there's a sense of fear, guilt, et cetera, a series of emotions that are really minimizing. They're, they're, they're there to minimize the effect. And when you're in minimization, you have a sort of a false sense of comfort. <laughs> you're in that comfort zone because nothing's being changed. Nothing's different. Uh, it's sort of all being maintained. It's okay. But you, you know, in order to get into acceptance, you've got to actually start recognizing what happened and accepting what happened. It's not your fault personally, right? But it's, it's our, and I agree with you, it's a collective. It's our fault. As a group of human beings on this planet, we did that. Yes. That's, you know, that's a lot of the identity work there, is it? We are the group of human beings who did this. And we are still doing it. So we are the group of human beings who have the power to change it. And that starts with acceptance. And, you know, we, <laughs> we have talked about minimization and thinking we're so woke. And, you know, <laughs> I, you know uh, in the IDI that you mentioned before, I see myself as being so woke. And then, wow, I have still got quite a ways to go. And that's, you know, accepting that, that where I see myself and where I am, there's a huge difference right now. And it's, and the whole point is that it's developmental. You've got to go through it, right? You've yes. got to go, you, you can't, it's not like one day. Oh, oh, I get it. Great. <laughs> but then you get it in your head, but you haven't gotten it in your heart and you haven't gotten it in your gut yet. And in order to get it in, in, you know, all of these brains of ours, right. We, we need to, we need to do something with it. That, I mean, that's why I love experiential learning. You need to do something. It's you know, you not just, enough. <laughs> you just talked about, I was, I was going to ask you about, you were talking about emotions earlier and that our emotions are telling us something. And you just said it right there. Like you might understand it in your head and then it has to go. And then it goes down through your heart and down into your gut. So it's, you connect emotionally with this thing that you understand. And then your gut is that you start acting on it, right? You start doing something to change it. What is your relationship to your emotions? I think this is something interesting to talk about. I, I love my emotions. I'm a highly emotional being. Um, <laughs> Which I, I'm laughing because, you know, if you guys could see her face, I'm in the like completely calm face. I am a highly emotional being. <laughs> Tell us I, about that. I, you know, I love, oh, I get a kick out of it all. Anger. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, it's so just goes through you. It, you know, it's a rush. It's a sadness and that horrible knot that gets into your throat when you really, really feel the, the pain of, of whatever it is. And you can't even swallow because it hurts so much. And then pure joy, elation being just, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm an emotions junkie. I, I love, I, I do. <laughs> I love emotions. And they do, you know, they, if I block them, then I know, then I'm having problems. Then I, if, if I block an emotion and, and part of the work that I've done, I mean, one, one of the main things of a third culture kid is this unresolved grief, because you do, you know, you say goodbye all the time. You don't get to mourn the place that you were in because you've got to get excited over the new place where, that you're going. And I had to work through that. I had to, you know, grief is one of those it's one of those ones that you don't really want to talk much about, but of course, gr grief is, you know, is love trying to find a home, right? It's it Thank is. you, Dr. It's Susan totally. David. <laughs> no, 
It is. And that's an amazing, when you know that that's an amazing thing and that can allow you to let it go because if that's what it is, okay, I can accept that I'm going to let myself feel that. And I think that's, that's where I've gotten to. I'm like, you know, what, what, what is this emotion? <laughs> what, what's it telling me? What, you know, what am I, where, where is this in my body and what is it making me remember or what is it prompting me to do? Yeah. You know, you started out talking about bravery and, and I think it's easy to circle back and saying in order to experience our emotions, it requires bravery because so often, you know, we have, I can speak for myself, I have a tendency to avoid certain difficult emotions and certain circumstances that I believe will create these difficult emotions. And it's, it requires bravery to lean in. So maybe you could talk about how you muster up that courage sometimes to lean into difficult emotions in your life. What's a trick that you could share with people who are listening? If you're feeling something, pay attention to it. If you're feeling a knot in your stomach, you're feeling attentive because so we have, we could talk about kind of two sets of emotions that, that run in terms of what we feel. We've got expanding emotions, ones that amplify, that sort of, that allow for a space of creativity. And we've got another series of emotions which really concentrate your attention that, that are focusing. And those are more uncomfortable. Those are the ones, you know, that's, that's fear. That's anger. That's sadness. Those are the ones that when we're feeling them, it, it helps us to focus on what's going on. And, and what I, what I find is emotions are something that we feel within us. But if you're feeling that, you're going to find it reflected outside of you. And you're going, I, I, you know, they, they say that you, you attract stuff to yourself. But if, if that's what's going on with you, then if you're, if you're in anger, you're going to find that you're in situations where anger is being expressed. So to kind of, my trick is to kind of look for that. What I could be, you know, you just told me, you just said I was like Zen sort of sitting there calmly, you know, no, no. I was having construction or renovation on my apartment happening a couple months ago. And like the people that were, they were fighting. I mean, it was just, it was, I'd never seen it. I'm like, what is this? What, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm all through the, the upset of having your house renovated, not having your space, not, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should calm down <laughs> and maybe I should be a little bit more accepting. And let me look at how, let me look at how they resolve it. And so, you know, they ended up resolving it. One of them wanted to leave early, hadn't finished the job. The other one, you know, and then oh, anger. And I'm like, whoa, anger. I'm like, okay, well, what's going on within me too? And of course, you know, it's hard. It's hard to have your house made so that you can't kind of live in it, you know, when you need to, because you don't have another place to go, you know? So, hmm. You know, it, when you're speaking about that, I just, I keep hearing in my head, like where attention goes, energy flows. So when I've got, you know, when, when I'm feeling uncomfortable or angry or afraid, then I, it's, that's all I see all around me. And, and yeah. And I, it goes back to this idea of models. I, I do think, you know, we're, so mindfulness is attending to the inside and to the outside, right? And so if there's a model for you to see, 
it's something within you as well. So if you're seeing models of the, the, the feeling of unworthiness or, you know, everything's unworthy around you and you feel unworthy within yourself. And so it, it's a question of, okay, if I, I, I need to recognize this. And then I, I, then I do need to kind of uncover where is that emotion coming from? And it could, you know, what is the pattern or what is the cultural upbringing or what is the value or what is it that's, what is it that's making me feel that? Because I, I feel what I feel because it's in relation, it's in, it's in relation to something else, right? I mean, we talk, we, <laughs> we the Buddhists, no, we, <laughs> we talk about this idea of being neutral, you know, not letting joy or not letting sadness, you know, you want to, you want to be in this Zen state of, you know, you know, because you, you, you don't technically want to have happiness or sadness overpower you. You want to be able to be balanced between them. But when they come, and this is my emotion junkie side, when they come, grab onto them because maybe you can learn something about what's going on about yourself and and then and then go back to that balance. You no, know? it's the homeostasis. We're always looking to get back to a level of balance. And those big emotions help us grow faster. You know, I I wish you could see her face. She just made that like the little light bulb, like, "Uh uh-huh. Yes. So let's talk about growth and the direction that we want to grow in. I want to hear you talk about the kind of world that we can grow into. Almendra, what if you had to dream about a world where we could have that balance and experience emotions and learn through trying things out, what would it be like? You know, it's interesting because if I think about the end result, the word that the, the sort of the thing that comes to me is, is, is no surprises, which I, and I like surprises, but the end result of this world is where everybody is recognized for who they are. And there's no sense of surprises or like, oh, you know, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Although surprises are beautiful, of course, but I mean, in in the sense of, I guess it's the surprise of the unknowing of not not having known. Like, it's a world in which we we do know that there's diversity. We do know that people are different from each other. And we go into our interactions with other people thinking that I don't know certain things and I'm going to be open to what I encounter and where anybody who, who is whatever it is that they are feels like it's perfectly okay to, you know, that's, that's the vision I hold. That's, you know... Where you don't, you know, have to hide that, you know, you have an, I don't know, whatever it is, learning disability, or, you know, you don't, you're not heterosexual, you know, whatever it is that your, that your circumstances, that your society makes it so that you can't just be, that's what I want to, that's what I want to work on. And it's a big, it's a big project. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but, it, but it's a beautiful one. So. Exactly. It's one that's worth it. What I was hearing there is, you know, where there, I think the surprise comes from expectations. Like we, we unknowingly now have expectations 
that we project on others. And that's why we're surprised is because what we expect them to be is not what we discover that they are when we actually are open to discovering who they are and seeing their uniqueness and celebrate. You know, that's for me that this world that you're talking about is where we celebrate each other because of our differences. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I want, I want you to celebrate a little bit. Let's, let's celebrate some of the differences that you see around you and that you make space for willingly and with an open heart. That's kind of a big question. <laughs> I realize that. What are some ways that you make space with an open heart for differences in your life or that you have done so? Well, yesterday, yesterday, what is, what was yesterday? What's the official title? It's Gay Pride Day. What, what's, what's, what's I yesterday think called? nowadays, uh, yeah, so we're recording this on June 29th. And so yesterday was June 28th, which is now LGBTQ plus Pride Day. Okay. So yesterday was. And I may be wrong. That's the, as, as far as I know, I think that's the correct term. Okay. Well, in the notes, you can always put the right term once you found <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, yesterday was that day and we were at the beach and the waves were insane and the, it was, the wind was cold. And so we went up to the Chiringuito, right? To the little sort of place where you have a drink or some food at the beach. And I looked at my daughter and I said, so, you know, it's, I said, so it's, Gay Pride Day. So what are we doing tonight? And she said, well, I would, you know, I'd like to go to this place and, and have the, the child's menu because uh, it has, you know, wonderfully gross potatoes and like chicken nuggets and all of those things. <laughs> like, well, if that's what you want to do to celebrate, let's go, you know? And so, and so we did. And so that was, that was wonderful. And I, I celebrate, I celebrate my daughter's and sexuality whenever I, whenever I can, right? It's That's kind of for, a fun story. And I'd love for you to tell, for people who don't know that story, could you tell the story sure. of, of your daughter and how, how, that, how she so, came out to you? So she's, so she's 11 and about a year and a half ago when she was 10, she said, mom, you know, could we, we talk? I have something that I want to tell you. And I said, sure, absolutely. So I sat down with her and she just said, mom, um, I just wanted you to know, I think I'm bisexual. And I went, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Do you, do you want me to tell your dad? Do you want to tell your dad, you know, who knows so that we can sort of talk about, you know, your, your sexual identity, you know, openly and freely, however it is that you would, that you would like. And uh, she said, Oh no, no, I'll tell dad. That's absolutely fine. Um, and I said, okay, well, you know, if there's anybody you want me to tell, let me, let me know. And then I, I think it was like a week or two later, she came to me and she said, mom, I'm not, I think I'm not bisexual. I'm, I'm pansexual. And in my mind, I was, I hadn't, well, I didn't know what pansexual was. And, and I had, you know, just this sort of idea of, you know, every creature on earth. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, you're going <laughs> to, and I was embarrassed, of course. So you're going to have to tell me, you know, what does that we're mean? We're not getting a dog. Just, you know, we're not getting <laughs> like, a dog. What is this? No, I've seen Night on Earth. Um, and there's this scene, amazing Jim Jarmusch film. And in a, the scene in Rome, the taxi cab driver has a priest in the back and he's doing confession with the priest and he's telling him how he fell in love with the sheep. 
So I had just seen that. And so my mind was like, uh, okay. I don't know if I'd be tolerant of that, honestly. There's certain things, you know, I have, but uh, so I was trying to, you know, and so she said, well, it means that I'm, you know, I'm going to be in love with or attracted to, to people who may be men, maybe women, maybe gender non-conforming. I'm, I'm going to fall in love or be attracted to the person that I'm going to feel that for regardless. And I went, oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's great. And I said, you know, so I said to her, well, how, you know, how did you know? I mean, how do you, how did you know? And she said, well, you know, I was looking on online and I've been doing this for a while. And that's what made the most sense for what I, what I think for myself. And I went, well, that's, you know, that's great. So she's, she's really educating me. Mm, right. It's such a gift. It's such a gift to have um, that ability to, well, for me, I'm, I love to be able to see things from different perspectives and be able to shift. And I can do that through people who, through their experiences. And so she's sharing that with me. And so that's just, you know, that's a celebration and, and you, you know, you do, you must celebrate difference. You absolutely, you know, it's, and so that it's not just on the 28th of June, you know, where you do that, you do it every day and it's not, there's no surprises. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what I mean by, by no surprises. It's not like, it's not unexpected. It's what it is. It's what it is. Yes. It's, it is what it is and what we can do is accept it and celebrate it and love it and understand that through our differences, we are stronger and more resilient and we have all of the answers when we express ourselves as we are. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want, I want to loop back to one quick thing about, about that, about creating this, I guess, celebration or acceptance of of your daughter and her identity. I think in such a young person, sometimes people hear, you know, the word sexual identity and they think, I can't think in the same sentence of a 10-year-old and sexual identity. Um, oh, but my God. I mean, I was a sexual being at the age of four. I, how can you not? <laughs> okay. Tell us, tell us. So, so for sexuality, it's an energy, right? Sexuality is an energy. and it awakens in you at different points in your life. In some cases it may not awaken. And that's a difference that needs to be to, in, that, that needs to be recognized as well, because there's an expectation that everybody somehow is going to be a sexual being at some point during their life. And some people are asexual. It just, they exactly. don't have that desire. Exactly. And so if you're saying, I, I, I mean, I distinctly remember sort of recognizing that sex or sexuality or romance or whatever my mom would call it romance was something that existed it exists everywhere and now and now i am i don't i don't i mean i not that i'm a peep or whatever but you're on the street <laughs> and you and i i love i okay i live in spain yeah. And so we have lots of public demonstrations of affection and people are always kissing each other and holding hands and doing stuff. And I'm so happy when I see two men, two women, it's like, like I should stop. I don't know, but I should, <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling and I'm like, luckily we've been wearing the masks. So we right. haven't, you know, but I'm like, hmm. 
Yep. You know, that's, you know, you, you have to be able to express that part of you. And it is, it is, it is part of your identity, your sexuality or your non-sexuality is a part of your identity. And, and if you're a 10 year old and you're realizing this, well, thank God there's examples for you to base yourself on. Right. I mean, it's, it's for me, granted, you know, I, I don't, if we hadn't had internet, if my daughter hadn't been able to be doing this research on discovering who she was and having multiple sources, because, you know, she's like a, she's a scientist on, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of identity, she's all, you know, she'll, she, she really looks at quite a few different things. So to form her own opinion. And so I'm really grateful that, that it's there. And I, and it's, you know, and I think one of the things that can occur to you is, well, maybe she thinks that because she's seen that, but no, she, she's feeling something. It's like, it's using emotions again, you're feeling something. And so you're going out and you're finding the model that describes that. And so, so I'm very pleased and I'm so happy that she shared it with us and I'm glad. And I'm speaking of privilege. I am so privileged to have that as normal for me. And I, and I have to remember that it isn't, it isn't, it isn't the norm and that there are lots of people that don't have that support that she has. And, and so that's why we have to keep working at this so that it's, it's sort of like, well, yeah, of course, you know, what are you, what are you going to, you know, like no surprises, of course. You know? It's, it's really amazing how, you know, life is a journey and we get better at it as we go further along. And, and I think what keeps us motivated, what keeps me motivated, I think also what keeps us, you and me motivated in what we're doing is seeing how, you know, seeing what direction we're going towards, where we're moving towards in a place where we can be surprised for other reasons. We can let, you know, be surprised by the joy of just being together and, and working to move forward collectively to a more loving world. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. And that's why I'm here. Right. I, I'm here because I love feeling that I love feeling that we're moving in that direction and it makes me so happy. And now that I'm doing this work, I'm being able to share that, share the responsibility and having to do it on my own. It's even more rewarding. And it's, it's just, it's, there's a lot to be done. There, there's, there's a lot to be done. It's not, you know, this fluffy, oh, you know, no, you actually got to, got to sit down, you got to do it. And, and it requires work. And I think that's the, that's, if we go back to the beginning, that's the bravery. It requires saying, I'm going to do this and it's going to be scary and it's going to hurt, but it's also going to give me such pleasure, such joy that it's worthwhile. So, yeah. So I think you know that I end every episode with a challenge. I ask guests to, uh, to challenge listeners to do something in their lives, to move forward, to change, to grow in some way, to, you know, I want you to think of something, maybe you've already thought of it, <laughs> knowing you, you probably already have. <laughs> so could you uh, share a challenge with people who are listening so that they can maybe move forward in their lives? Yeah. So the thing that I thought about is, is a practice of, of realizing that, uh, you know, the, the divine spark is within all of us and, and we take different forms. 
which apparently gives this idea of separation, right? So I'm in my body, you're in your body, we're different people. Um, and we are, we, you know, let's celebrate difference. Absolutely. However, there is this spark that unites us all. And so my challenge is, you know, in your day to day, remember, remember that spark, L look at it inside yourself, wherever it is that you think that spark resides. Um, and, you know, when you go to the supermarket and the checkout later, the checkout man is, is helping you look, look for their spark. When you, whatever it, you know, when you cross that person on the street, look for their spark and, or, or remember their spark and practice that during, during the course of the day. And it's, and it's hard because it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, but if you do it, you know, with one, two, maybe three people that you encounter during the course of your day to reconnect with, with the source, you know, to reconnect with the source that's within you and within all of those around you, that would be my challenge. See the divine in everyone. Yeah, at least look for it because it's in all of us. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that you agreed to come and sit here and have this chat. I think that you are doing really important work and I feel very honored to be able to, to do this work together with you. And, and I'm also very grateful for all of the things that you bring to the table, you know, how, how your diversity, how your special gifts really add value to, to the work we're trying to bring to the world. So thank you so much, uh, Almendra for Almendra. I can't say that in English. Almendra, 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 yeah. Almendra. Thank you, Almendra. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and I really, I congratulate you on your, on your podcast. I think it's it. I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm catching up, <laughs> but every, every time I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by, you know, all of us. <laughs> we are really amazing. Am. We are so amazing. We, we can highlight this about ourselves. So let's do it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you can feel the inspiration and passion that we put into this conversation and that it empowers you to be confident, compassionate, and courageous on your journey, on our journey to becoming all of us. If you enjoyed that conversation and you'd like to hear more, please be sure to click on subscribe or follow to get your weekly dose of inspiration. And remember to stop by and rate us with a five-star rating on the App Store. Leave your comments below. Let us know what it is that you enjoy about these conversations so that we can bring more of them to you. And stop by Instagram to follow us at the Being All of Us podcast. B-A-O-U podcast. Thanks to the group Bombadil for our intro music, Avery, and to Scott Gratton for our outro music, Motown is Yotown. Come join us again next week for more. Until then, shine bright, you beautiful soul. You are the change the world needs. Go out and shine.